Welcome to 80s Music Exposed, the podcast in which we review all the best albums of the 80s one month at a time. We will break them down, give you the skinny, and duke it out over whether or not you should dig these out again. So, if you're ready for an 80s music deep dive from Aha to Wham, Bowie to XTC, Madonna, Hair Metal, New Wave, and all points in between, then crank the boombox, turn your Walkman up to 10, and let's go! Welcome to 80s Music Exposed. I'm Henry. <laughs> I love how you do that after we have, a, like, we pay the guy to do bumper music and everything, and then you do your big, like, I don't know. Thing. I always think I'm supposed to. Should I like I, it. Should I come in with just something? Hey, guys, guess what? <laughs> you could try that. Your hey, voice got hey. so deep there. Hey, Megan, what's up with that shirt? <laughs> Megan, well, this is the perfect segue, by the way. Yeah, Megan is wearing a super cool retro Van Halen T-shirt. I think it's a it's actually an old Van Halen T-shirt, right? It's not a remake. Is it a real one or is it a? Um, I'm pretty sure it's not an original. I got it at a Goodwill store, That's what I mean. so I cannot confirm. Or deny. But I think it's probably a reprint. From what era is that? Can you identify? I would say probably early Van Halen, like before 1984. Nice. So before the last album with Diamond Dave on it. Speaking right. of Diamond Dave, did you guys yeah, not hear? Diamond anymore. Oh yeah, no, no Diamond. It Dave. was the weirdest announcement that he did. Did you catch that? What was the announcement itself? Yeah. I only heard about it. I didn't actually. I like, didn't catch read. it. Yeah, I, I didn't caught hear it, it on YouTube. Somebody posted it, and he just sort of gave this. It wasn't meandering, but kind of. He alluded to his health, okay. and he said, "The doctors tell me that I'm in danger every time I perform now." Something on that order. So, did you guys see? Like, I think it was less than a month ago. Like Gene Simmons tweeted, I believe, something awful about David Lee Roth singing. No, and how how much he had deteriorated since the days of yore, and that he sh- that he should really quit because he sucks. And then the weird thing is, like two days later, he put out this big apology, which to me now makes sense because Gene Simmons is a dick, right? Yeah. But he probably caught wind through back channels that he's sick, mm-hmm. and so he was like, "Oh, that's really." Even Gene Simmons was probably like, "That's shit." Gene Simmons, the Donald Trump of music, that's a really good analogy, yeah. actually, to mm-hmm. describe him, Henry. That's perfect. I wish him well. Yeah, man. It'll suck to lose Diamond Dave if yeah. that happens, and well. When it happens, I could listen to that guy talk for an hour straight and be fascinated mm-hmm. by whatever the hell he's talking. I, I always like listening to him talk because he had a podcast there for a while, and I like listening to him talk because like takes a minute to catch his flow. He's just like stream crazy stream of consciousness, mm-hmm. but once you catch his flow, it kind of starts making sense, and you feel like you're thinking on like a different level. Like you're like it's like some Zen thing. He was uh, he always dressed right. He was dressed sort of age appropriate for mm-hmm. who he was and mm-hmm. for the times. I felt like yes, this age appropriate spandex leotards. Yep, well, I mean like as he got older, you know, <laughs> like the uniform look. Henry, uh, we probably should tell people that are new to the show what we actually do. We don't always just talk about uh, celebrities from the 80s. We did a good creative opening there. So what we do, in case you don't know, is we review albums from the 80s. This whole project has started with us taking the 80s month by month and selecting five albums from each month using different criteria. 
and we are now covering May of 1983, and we've selected five albums, and we all throw in de- throw down on it. So I know we, we, we talk about this sometimes, but I don't know exactly the number of episodes we're up to now. I would guess it's like 65 or 70 maybe, but this may be my favorite month that we've done. I only have trouble with one album on this uh, list. And I'm not, I'm, that's just a teaser. I'm just going to throw that out there. But otherwise, I really enjoyed all the albums on this list. And I didn't think I would. I think that's what made it a great month for me was I looked at the list and was like, oh, maybe not my month. And it turned out to be kind of cool for me. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Also, I've added a new feature. If you're if you're an old-time listener, um, this is new, and you probably can pick up that I don't think Megan or Henry like this part, this feature, as much as I do, but... I'm going to read to you what the Billboard Top 100 Top 5 songs were during the month of May of 1983. Because I know we have a lot of fans that like hits, Henry, that like want to know about the hits right. and are nostalgic. It's, it's so it's relevant. Like yeah. <laughs> so what I thought I would do, though, is because you two are always like slagging on me about it, I'm just going to play snippets of all five of them in a row. I'm not going to talk about them and everything. And here I they think, I think we should sing them. Wow. Now you're expanding. At first of all, you didn't want to participate at all. You I'm just so. like, let's sort, let's, let's sort it up. And like, now you want to see... Okay, Henry, we'll try it. Um, I'll give you the first one. Okay. Beat it. That's beat it. That was the bass line. You didn't sing it. Good enough. Okay. All right, Megan, you've got song number two, Let's Dance. Um, I'm not singing it. I never agreed to that. <laughs> that was that bad. All right, so yeah. the guitar like this. It's Last Dance by David Bowie. <laughs> it is. All right. So far, That's this dance. is one of the most 80s lists, and we're only at number two. I got, Hold on, you're rich. I got a feeling Henry's going to sing them all anyway. Okay, number okay. three is Flash Dance by Irene Cara. I'm going to try this one. Wait. What a feeling. Was it just called Flash Dance? Yep, I had to look it up because I thought it was called What, what a feeling. But it's not. It's called what Flashdance. What it should have been called. It should have been called. It. Does she even say Flashdance in there? Anyone? I can't even. I can't reach that octave. Mm-hmm. What a, what a feeling. I can't, get, I can't get there anymore. And you know, we can't cover that album because we have kind of an unwritten rule. We don't do mm-hmm. movie soundtracks except for Purple Rain. We did that one and yeah. caught hell. Um, the next one is Jeopardy by Greg Kent. I'm going to let Megan sing that one. I don't even honestly like, I don't I know the song. Is it good? We talked about Greg Greg Kin before. Our love's like, in jeopardy. I not be able to like sing it. <laughs> Baby. Baby. Yeah, there you go. Chris <laughs> is gonna put um, put the real song underneath. <laughs> no, like, I'm not. Kind of no, no, I'm not. I'm just gonna leave. it I like have this. no idea what over number five is. Number five. What? Is that? Come on, Megan. Tell him what number five. What is, is that? It's by Men at Work. Yes. Oh, okay. Got it. Dun it's dun like, dun dun. Yeah. After day. Yeah, it's like their best song, I think. We're going to have a new rule when we do this from now on, Henry. If you don't know the song, when Megan or I remind you what it is, you don't get to sing it then. Sorry. You forfeited your right. I'll go hide now. (laughs) You lied to us. Yeah, totally. (laughs) Liar. I'm probably going to cut all of that out and just put the uh, songs and snippets (laughs) of the song. Why? It wasn't that bad. No, I thought it was good. I thought it was great. Um, also, at the, at the beginning of every episode, we do a few significant events from that month just to get everybody, um, get their nostalgia appetite whetted. So let's do that now. How? What do you guys say? Sounds good. Okay. The first one is um, Return of the Jedi was released on May 25th of 1983. And I was thinking when I looked that up, I was like, I wonder where this movie is on like the all time like movie, like grossing movies. So I, I went to that website where you can look. 
And mm-hmm. where where would you if you if you didn't know where would you think uh, of all time of all time box office not like uh, Man, rentals to, and all to, that kind at, of stuff up to today. Yep, yep, yep. I Adjusted would say it's too. way Adjusted. down. I'd say it's way down the list. It's probably top fifty. What do you think, Megan? I would say top. 25 25, just because i feel like star wars has a super loyal fan base Mm -hmm. and especially then like you had to go to the theater you know to see it so i I feel like yeah yeah i didn't think of that i'm i'm with and megan i think you sussed out what i was thinking about like modern movies probably don't stand a chance on this list because back then because i remember when i was a kid the first star wars it was a big thing at our school like how many times you've seen it and that meant you had to go to the theater. So, like, I saw it 37 times when I was a kid. I remember that number. You didn't go see it 37. I did. I went and saw it 37 times. This is the biggest That's lie. too many times. Talk about liars. <laughs> no, and I would go sit through it with friends just to get another viewing in. Not that I gave a shit about watching it again. Because it was like cred at school if you'd seen it more times. That's how nerdy I was. Um, Return of the Jedi is the 17th all-time highest grossing box office film at... Uh, current money adjusted eight hundred and sixty million dollars box office, and it had Ewoks in it. It did have Ewoks oh. in it. It did. It did. Um, just, just for just, I, I thought just so we would could see the scale here. Flashdance was the number one movie for the month. However, um, just and do you know how much it's done to date? No, ninety two million dollars, which puts it at. 192, number 192 all time. Jiminy Christmas. I doubt that was high for Flashdance. Like the 192. And like higher, honestly, just because I feel like every okay. 80s conversation mm-hmm. or like book or you know television series, whatever, they always mention Flashdance. That's dance. a good point. That's a good point. And the, like the water drop thing. But I think yeah. I barely remember that movie. Um, I remember the songs more than I remember the movie. Best dance movie from the 80s, if you're going to watch one, is definitely Break Into Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> I don't think I've seen that either. What? You haven't seen Break Into or Break Into? That movie has gotten so much, yeah. so many legs over just its title. I don't know why. Did you Everybody know that, brings it up. Did you know that Ice T was in Breaking Two Electric Boogaloo? No, he was. Really? Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, one last significant event: Schlemiel Schlemazel. <laughs> something, <laughs> something incorporated. Something. I can't never remember. I don't know what they said. I don't know the last part. Either. Either. Something, something incorporated. Uh-huh. I think it was the beer place they worked at, and I remember <laughs> Laverne and Shirley is the last show was on TV. Around the, about this time, end of an era, spinoff of Happy Days. You know what I remember right. Laverne and Shirley for? What? It was like one of the last sitcoms where, because the 80s were coming into vogue now, where like the set was like low down and grimy on purpose. Like ever, all the 70s sitcoms were like working class. Right. Like so, Laverne and Shirley, Sanford and Son, Jefferson's All in the Family, everything looked working class. And then the 80s came in and even the, like, the, even like Arnold. Like what you talking about, Will? Is like different strokes. It was like it, an adopted kid, but it was in this highbrow like setting, right? You don't think it had anything to do with silver that. spoons? I mean, everything was like clean and like uh, you know, like upper middle class in the eighties. <laughs> All right, what do you say we move on to some records, y'all? Oh, sure, let's do it. The first record we're going to cover is by a band called The Fix, and that's with two X's, by the way. If you're looking for it. Um, and the album is called Reach the Beach, and the song we're going to play is called Saved by Zero. 
the Wikipedia for this album at the very top. It's funny. It says, for the New Hampshire relay race of the same name, see Reach the Beach Relay. <laughs> uh, you know, when you're when you're all-time highest-selling biggest album has that at the top of the Wikipedia page. It's probably not going to be remembered like Joshua Tree, I don't think. Probably not. <laughs> I forgot Nor to mention, guys, when, when we started, I forgot to say this is an all-music four-and-a-half-star album, a Rolling Stone three-star album, and it did have two hits, uh, One Thing Leads to Another and Safe by Zero. So sorry, I forgot to say that. So those two hits were good songs. I knew oh, yeah. this was what was going to happen, so I got I got my armor on. But I thought, I mean, they fit into the rest of the record well. Oh, okay. I feel like. That was nice of you, Henry. So. Well, you thought I was going to slag? Yeah, because I'm I'm like, I guess so. No. I guess I'm defensive of The Fix because they were my first, like, cool band in my mind as a kid. Like, If you listen top to bottom on this record, you will hear a lot of attention to detail. And you will hear, they, they did something with guitars that not everybody else was doing. They developed, like, this bitey shiny guitar sound right that it's it's pretty remarkable i feel like and uh i think the kind of definition of the like clean 80s mm-hmm. like rock sound right yeah i mean didn't johnny moore do the same kind of thing or except not as bitey and shiny <laughs> yeah so it's to you know? a certain degree but I feel like Johnny Marr is a little bit more jangly. Yeah. Like he's not like jingle pop, less, obviously. Less, less angular. Like, I, I yeah, also yeah. think that the fix were definitely more like eye on the prize of being commercial than the Smiths. I mean, oh, yeah. there, there's definitely an element of we want to be huge. But, you know, I, I went and saw them a year or two ago at like a dinner theater thing in Atlanta, which was very strange. Their guitar players always had that like triple A level indie guitar genius kind of thing that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Like he's always thought of himself as more. But I also think that if you listen to this album, even if you don't love everything on it, it doesn't sound, at least you have to give them the, it doesn't sound like, oh, we have two hits and a bunch of filler. No. Like they're trying every song, they're trying to make like it's something. Not, it's commercial, but not overtly commercial. Right. And and the songs that are in there they, that are solid, they're not garbage songs. No. I just never want to hear one thing leads to another again. Yeah, and that's what I feel. I feel it's overplayed again. I prefer Save by Zero to, to the. Oh to that yeah, hundred percent. There was a movie I saw a couple years ago, like a, a horror movie that had one thing leads to another in it, and mm-hmm. it being applied in that setting and in a movie theater, I was happy to hear it again, and I was jacked about it. And then I got in my car and listened to it again. I was like, nope, I'm back to. I don't want to hear it anymore because it's overplayed. Fun fact about the fix: they were going to call themselves FIX with one X, but the record company didn't want to. They were worried about the drug connection, like people connecting it with drugs. I mean, I thought so, that was the cool so the part. Com- <laughs> yeah, I think so. Too. So the compromise was the two X's. I don't know why. That doesn't make any sense. No, that's, that's odd. <laughs> this record went uh, platinum. Yeah, and I think so. it's another one, and we're in that time period where we can say it's on the strength of videos. I think without MTV, that probably would not have happened. But these guys were not incredibly prolific after the 80s. We're talking maybe what? They did six records total, probably. And they spent, they only did one record throughout all of the 90s. Yeah, and like they did one in like 1991, and then waited 10 more years or more maybe even longer than that i think they had that whole thing where like the 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 singer went solo and tried to do Mm -hmm. all of that kind of thing before they got back together do you think that they were hurt by early hits because of that like we have other 
bands that didn't necessarily have one out of the gate that managed to have a glacial or or build a slow build right before they were the big hit makers. These guys came right out of the gate and had so it's two interesting big to me because I I guess I jumped on the train as a kid on their first album, the Shuttered Room mm-hmm. album, which I think still is a better album. So. But I, I I agree with you. I think they got progressively. I, I felt like they developed a sound very early, and they never changed from the sound. That's the that's the issue. Whereas other bands, even like Duran Duran, like kind of kept the same sound for a while, but they got better and better at it. It was like the Fix were really good at the sound. If you go back and listen to Shuttered Room, it's it's a better album. Is it? But it's like they'd already perfected the sound, and then they had a couple hits with oh, right. it. This was album you know, two. That's this right. is album two. Right. But it's it's definitely the next couple albums after this just sound like repeats of this record. So it, that's tough. And we've and Henry and I, Megan, have had this conversation for years about: Do you want your favorite band to do something different every time, or like, do you want the Strokes to sound like the Strokes, or you know, like? And I feel like it's. It's subjective because, like, it I really depends on the artist. I would yeah, say. right. It's subjective because, like, I, for me, like one of my favorite bands, the Cowboy Junkies. I just want to be the Cowboy Junkies. Don't try to be mm-hmm. a pop band. Don't just, change. Don't yeah. Yeah, but Don't then go changing right, and then, but then there's other bands that I'm like, when are you going to do something different? We've already heard that a million times from you. You know what I mean? Yes. So it's kind of a weird. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. I think it's all about the setup. So I I I think if, if if you're coming to this new if you if you only know the fix for those two songs, that's the hard part for me. I don't I want to think what you guys thought. Those two songs are great representations of this record. So I don't think you're going to be shocked by the rest of the record. But do you need to listen to the rest I of the mean, record? Need that's need, the that's the. Well, then thing. it's like I think yes. I think you should. If you'll be pleasantly surprised if you yeah. are a, if you casually listen to the fix and know them for those two songs, you will be pleasantly surprised that the rest of the record is solid as well. That's how I feel, too. Like, I definitely was pleasantly surprised by the quality of it, just because I really didn't know much. Did they do the song Red Skies? Yeah, Red Skies at Night, yeah. Okay, so I I know that song. So I I just didn't really know much about them because I kind of judged them based just on one thing leads to another. And it's funny because um, that first album has Red Skies and then it has another song that you probably know that everyone forgets called Stand or Fall. That was kind of an 80s hit too. I do remember that It's like the first two records each had a pair of hits, really. Um, I think the first record's better just based on those two songs. Yeah, it's, it's almost like this is a second version of that first record. So if really. you're a band... And this is more commercial. Yes, a little if, bit more polished. If you're a band and your early records generate hits right off the, off right, the gate, right. that, I mean, to me, that could be a poison pill. That's the heroin that kills you. Like, <laughs> enjoy the success, but you're, but you're going to be expected, <laughs> but, but your whole thing, you're going to be expected to redo or re or to, to be that again. Well, I don't know why this band's on my mind, but I feel like it killed the Strokes. Their first album was so great, yeah. and everyone thought it was the the shit. And then it was like every album after that, people were like, "Eh, this is not as good as the first one." And then you're like, "But it's really good if you listen to it in a vacuum. <laughs> it's really good." Anyway, thumbs up for me. Um, I'll give it a thumbs up. Yeah, awesome. So let's move on to the next one. It, we're going to consider Iron Maiden. Pregnant pause. And the record is called Peace of Mind. The cut that we're going to listen to to, as an example is called The Trooper. All Music rated it a 4.5 star record as well as Rolling Stone. Excellent. All right, here's The Trooper. (laughs) 
fighting for the next attack. You better stand, there's no turning back. The fewer sounds, the times begins. But on this battlefield, no one wins. The smell of ice cream smoke and horses' breath. As the virgin into sudden death. Do you remember that song, Henry, from when we were kids? No. So this is the this is the album that I got to go see Iron Maiden when I was a kid. That my my older That's brother cool. took me to this tour, and the Trooper was like his favorite song. So we listened to it in the car. All right, so, all the time. So did this t- tug on your heartstrings more than no. your ear, or what? Not at no, all. No, I don't see. I don't really remember and I, uh, Iron Maiden except for the T-shirts mm-hmm. and this song. But I, I don't know if you remember we we've already covered an Iron Maiden record. Yes, and I. Holy didn't like it. Um, however, and I, I want to I preface this, Henry, by saying I don't know if this has to do with the Apple remaster. Uh, Apple's remastering a bunch of songs and trying to get people to come on to Apple, and they've got this thing called Atmos. Yeah. Where they mm. fuck with the sound, and it makes you sound like it's in 3D, and you're in the middle of the room, and I would highly suggest everybody try it, at least the uh, free trial. So I don't know if I'm being influenced by that, but I want to I say right here, right now, I don't know what's going to come in the rest of the 80s, but this is my favorite metal record that we have covered to date. This record was fucking awesome. I love this goddamn record. It sounds like Metallica before Metallica. Like, I was like, oh shit, now I get why the Black Album sounds like it The guitars sound like you put a blanket over top of it. Oh my God, it was like bubbling out of my speakers, and like I felt like it was crawling across my head. Okay, all right, so Megan, we we have talked about, me and Chris talked about Apple Music recently okay this album is amazing i I got some airpod pros and so as a result of that i i got a six-month subscription to apple music and i started listening to these records i was like holy shit this thing is about 25 to 30 percent better than spotify stream just on its own right so i started listening to all that stuff but dude apple music is not saving this fucking album i don't know what you're doing here this album is great. I love it. It is so much Bruce fun. Bruce Dickinson is the most annoying guy. I thought he was great. I I think this album, it, it totally made sense to me where metal comes from. Like, I think this album is he one of the ones He sings about, started. like, the secrets of the of the hangman. And, I love like, that. Sm- that is very metal, though. It's very metal. There's one... There's one. It's not Screaming for Vengeance. You guys, we were on a mountaintop with Screaming I'm, for Vengeance. I'm speaking separate from Judas Priest. I mean, if you Don't expect me to come from Judas Hold on Priest a second. to listen I, I, to this. Megan, Megan, expand upon I'm that. I'm sorry, Megan, second. go. Yeah. Well, with Iron Maiden, like, I would say this is, like, prime Iron Maiden. Right. You know? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I will say that when I saw them on the list, or saw this album on the list, I was, like, kind of like, ugh, another Iron Maiden album. Me too. You know? Me too. Because I just think about the, I don't, what is his name? Uh, like, Br- their mascot. Oh, yeah, Eddie. Eddie, yeah. yeah, like you just think about that, all the t-shirts, whatever, which is fine, but like I wasn't excited to listen to it necessarily, but it is good, and I mean, it is very like when I think of like early '80s metal, like before hair metal really got super big. Yes, this is kind of what I think of, and like Judas Priest, I always kind of consider them as like in their own 
lane. Like, I can't really compare anybody to Judas Priest, and I definitely would never compare um, Iron Maiden to them. No, but I'll tell you this. The only thing I even like about this band is the extended instrumental breaks where they go over and over again, and you get lulled in this. This yeah, but I'll about, tell you what that I, is, Henry, and you're gonna I like that, and you're gonna see this later on in the, when we get to it. This and and I'm a dummy, I'm a metal dummy, but like this is where you're getting speed metal from because speed metal is that that you just talked about at double time, so you're getting all of that. Yeah, like well, twice I wasn't as a quick. fan of that other shit either. But so. let me tell you why it's better, not better. Eva. Why it's a better <laughs> metal record than the Judas Priest record? The Judas Priest records, which I love as well, are after listening to this, I realized they're not metal records. They're heavy rock albums. They've yeah, got like you said that. Yes, which is great, which is fine. This is a goddamn heavy metal album. It doesn't make any bones about it. It's they a, sing about elves and dwarves you and know fucking why? things and yeah, like Yeah, yeah. You know, like Tenacious D fucking makes fun of this shit. He loves it. His whole it. career is that. Right, but because he loves it. This, this is Jack Black. I don't either. I think you know who else I think? I think Chris Cornell ripped off Bruce Dickinson. Everybody too. did. I, I'm listening to this record. I'm going, now I understand where all I that just, shit came when from. When I listen to it, I think, yeah. a, I think, my God, it's funny people like this stuff. I loved it. It's hilarious. I'm going to start. They I'm going to start listening to metal now. I love say, it. Though, they say that um, Bruce Dickinson has, or at least uh, I think now, has a four... Four four and a quarter octave range that he can go in. God bless. And it him. seems like that one note he he does that one note all the time. Do you that one operatic note? If that you he does? could do that note, you do it all the time now, too. Now Halford has back in his day, not now, but back in the day, he had a six octave range. I've heard Rob Halford still sounds really good. Yeah, and he's, st- he's got at age 50, at like 60, whatever. I, I'm not slagging on Judas anyway, Priest, but this is a better heavy metal record. Priest and is more I diverse. can't believe. Stop bringing Judas Priest into Yeah, I can't believe. Priest is more, like, is more Two months ago, I'm trying to apologize for Quiet Riot and starting hair metal or whatever the fuck they did. And then I listen <laughs> to this record, and I'm like, the, this record kicks that Quiet Riot record ass all over the goddamn oh, field. Yeah. I mean... Oh please! Did you? This album is forty six minutes of awesome, of just operatic stuff. It's the funnest thing. Cut, it's so much when fun. you compare it to the Billy Bragg record that made, we're going to talk about made, in terms of length, it's funny. Uh, it's so different. It is. I feel like it was made to impress somebody much younger than me. Well, you can see like the my, Led Zeppelin influence yes, in yes, that. Yes, yes, the really long like. Way too fucking long. I mean, I'm with you there, Henry. The dual like, guitars. Yeah, but they're kind of like, they're the bridge between speed metal and Led Zeppelin. It ain't like I didn't try. I mean, I did. <laughs> did every, you listen? Every to- song was like walking through mud. But I did give it up. I thought it was great. I think it's a lot of fun. I think Henry's out to lunch. If you, you, you should listen to this. This is great. All right. Thumbs up from Chris. Thumbs down from me. Megan, where do you sit? I think it's a thumbs up, but it's not for me. I hear you. I like that. I like that. That's a medium. All right, good. Megan, I saved this one for you. Thank you. So uh, we're going to do by New Order um, off the album Power, Corruption, and Lies, which is an all-music five and forever in my heart, just because I love New Order. I had a hit, Blue Monday, but we're going to play, well, I guess kind of a hit. I don't know. Now it's more of a hit. But let's play part of The Village.
So I think we should preface this one by saying this is probably all three of our favorite record. I mean, it might be my favorite record of the 80s, so I have to preface things by saying that. But uh, it, it deserves its own show. Uh, mm-hmm. but right. It does, where, where do we start? So I, I, I think I want to start by saying, and I kind of tripped Megan up with this, but I put that Blue Monday was the hit because yep. Blue Monday technically is not on this album. Uh, it came s- out like right after by right. itself. I'm it, it so was, glad you put the audible there. Yeah. It was, but it, it, it like changed music, basically. That, oh, it was huge, yeah. Yeah, like, and people that don't even know that they know Blue Monday, it like anything EDM or electronic or any of that shit that you listen to couldn't even be possible without blue monday it is like literally like they uh, they said people associated with blue with with new order said it's probably the greatest single of all time and right. they weren't being facetious and it should exist on its own forever yes away so from this right This album, though, is amazing. It's my favorite New Order album. Um, I just love it. It's my favorite thing by Joy Division or New Order. You know what I love? The pinnacle to me. It's so good, and it's just like it reminds me. It's like the perfect example, I think, of a Joy Division New Order record. Mm -hmm, Like mm -hmm. it's like this is what Joy Division would have been. I think if it if they would have moved forward with Ian Curtis, even would have been slightly different. But just like the production, it's aged so well. Like I mean, I feel like it still sounds so good. Like it's kind of ageless in a way. It is. It is. And you look at that first the way that the opening thing, uh, Age of Consent, right? And it's mm-hmm. where Ian Curtis is reaching for that one note he doesn't quite get. Ugh, I love it. It's just delicious. Like, <laughs> oh, you mean, you know Bern- you mean Bernard about? Sumner? That's Bernard Sumner. Yes, Sumner. Bernard, yeah, yeah, Bernard Sumner. Right, we have for to that, be. for that one note right. on Age of Consent, and mm-hmm. he doesn't quite get it. And it's just like beautiful and heartbreaking because something of you kind of knows the history, you know, you know, they're sort yeah. of putting the band back together and you know, he's bearing up under the weight of Ian Curtis. You even hear that. You even yeah. hear that some on the village. And, and, but it's, what's funny is this is the first album. So on movement, he's trying to be Ian Curtis because mm-hmm. he doesn't, oh, it's man. like they drew straws and it's almost like he was the unlucky guy that had to be the singer. And so now he's just going to try to imitate Ian Curtis. And now this is the first time where they all stop trying to be joy division and and be their own thing and it's it's if you think about it and i know a lot of people probably in america don't know new order uh, unless you're a real 80s head like we are but so disappointing that more people don't don't know about them yes i agree and i i think the amazing thing about it is that they really were two different bands that changed the world in 
separately. And to think that the same three guys basically did that. Seriously. With two different bands is like unbelievable. Like what like they did with either. happened before. Yeah. I don't think or since, you know right. what I mean? No. Like, cause like Dave Grohl did like Foo Fighters, but like that was just Dave Grohl. That was going to be my example. The only thing I could think of was Foo Fighters and Nirvana, but th- that, that would, that's the only one I could come up with. And it's just amazing to me that, especially the way the, the, that Ian Curtis died and everything, how they just like almost invented a new style, like style of music um, mm-hmm. after that. And so it, this album is, is great. And I, th- what I kept thinking of the reason I thought it was great is they're using all this new technology on this album. Mm-hmm. So it sounds fresh even now because it's like, it's not guys who know how to use a Lindrum because we still have them today and we're using them 30 years later. They were like one of the first people to get this machine in their studio that called a Lindrum and just start fucking with it. Yeah. Um, and there's things on like the, the young too, like early twenties. And, and to think like the, like Stephen Morris was saying on the, on the podcast about that was one of the first places he'd ever seen a producer say, let's run the tape across different mic stands all the way around the room so that we could get these loops, these tape loops that we were working on of drum sounds because we don't have a computer to do it. And he said, I spent, I spent many nights. I never hit a drum. I was counting beats because I had to figure out how many bars we needed for the song. And you had to do that with your brain. You couldn't do that with a computer. So he's like, I would stay up all night trying to count beats on a song and I would lose count and then be like, I got to start all over again. And he's like, I'm just sitting there going one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, you know, like, and he's like just going crazy. But that was what kind of like went into this. And it's, it's just amazing. Right. And one of the, not only that, but it translates as this great, I don't know how you call it. Naive, naivety. Mm -hmm. And there's this, this beautiful awkwardness about it. I don't know how to explain it, but that way. Well, even the cover, I feel like, is very, I don't know, it just fits it perfectly to me. Mm-hmm. Like, so, I, I love that. Yeah, like, so the cover, just, yeah, didn't even have the title on it. It was full of mystery. Megan, is The Village your favorite song on the album? I would have to say so. Chris, what's I mean, your... I love the whole album, yeah. but that song is awesome. So I, Age of Consent has always been my favorite Um on that, but I mean, it's hard. Like the whole, I, I never, that's one of those albums. I never listened to just one song. Like I listened to yeah. the whole album and I, and I do want to make a statement cause we can't cover blue Monday on its own cause it's not a record, but I feel like we can't talk about new order without uh, talking about blue Monday. Um, and one interesting little side story I heard about it was there was, there's some recent DJ guys who were saying you could make blue Monday now in like five minutes on a computer. But the weird thing about it is because they didn't use a computer, it's not perfect. And these D, mm-hmm. this DJ guy was saying the beauty of it is, he's like, I can't recreate it. I've tried. And well, he's like... I love that. Yeah, he's like, it's in, it's perfectly imperfect. And he's like, I, I've been up nights trying to figure out how it's perfectly imperfect. And he's like, there's just something in it that's human that if you make it in a computer, it'll get off somewhere. And he's like, I can't figure out how. But he's like, that's that's what makes it so great. My favorite song is called um, Your Your Silent Face. Oh, that's such a good song it's too. That, that beginning um, intro, it's beautiful. It's that the the strings, quote unquote, right? It's like mm-hmm. it puts chills on the back of my neck. I have this list of songs that you know. After I pass away, I want 
played at my funeral. And that's probably like the first one, you know, I love it so much because it just, it makes me emotional to even think about it. That's probably my favorite new order song, you know, just personally, you know? Yeah. But yeah. And I guess it should go without saying I'm putting this album in the canon. Yeah, my- yeah for sure. Too. Yeah. Big thumbs up. Love yeah. it. Love it. Love it. For me. as Yeah. Well. It doesn't really get better than that in terms of eighties records. I would say. All right, moving right along. So next record we're going to consider is the first record from a guy named Billy Bragg, who did one called Life's a Riot with Spy versus Spy. And uh, we're going to play probably, might be one of the best songs Billy Bragg ever wrote called A New England. I was 21 years when I wrote this song. I'm 22 now, but I won't be for long. People ask me, when will you grow up to be a man? But all the girls I love in school are already pushing brands. I loved you then as I love you still. Though I put you on a pedestal, they put you on the pill. I don't feel bad about letting you go. I just feel sad about letting you know. folks i'm just going to interrupt for a second here if you are a podcast junkie like i am you probably thought about starting your own podcast well i can tell you firsthand that starting a podcast is one of the best decisions we've ever made but it can feel a little overwhelming if you don't know how to get started and that's why i was really glad to find buzzsprout buzzsprout is hands down the easiest and best way i've ever found to launch a professional, or in our case, a semi-amateur professional podcast. These folks have helped over 100,000 people launch their own podcasts. They will get you onto every major podcasting platform like Apple Podcasts and Spotify, 
Google. You can also get a great looking podcast website. There are audio players that you can drop into other websites. My favorite part of is the detailed analytics that show uh, how many of you are listening. We look at this all the time. That's how we know where you are and how many of you are there. There are also tools there to promote your episodes and so on. Buzzsprout publishes a new blog on all kinds of topics all the time, like equipment and formats, and they have their own podcast episodes. There's also YouTube videos every week so that you can learn the ins and outs of podcasting from the people that eat and drink and breathe it so you never feel like you're on your own. So to start your own podcast and to get a $20 Amazon gift card, go and grab the link that I've got in the show notes. This lets Buzzsprout know that we sent you. It also helps support our show. So remember, Buzzsprout, the easiest way to start a podcast. So that's a Kirsty McCall cover, right? <sighs> no, she covers This is payback the- for me not liking Iron Maiden. You know, he wrote this song. What? He wrote it for Kirsty McCall? <laughs> no. He's fucking around. I know, but I'm still going to correct you. It's a beautiful her 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 song is beautiful. I I is this like the demo he did for her that he like gave to her? This is this is this album is 17 minutes long. So did he give You the, could play it. Did he give the other songs to other people? Is this like a demo of stuff he was given to people? Let's get to the root of it. What do you hate about it so much? I do not like anything about Billy Bragg. Why? I cannot Why? stand Billy what Bragg. It was so bad. It's just a pompous, over, overblown Robin Hitchcock wannabe. Just oh, don't oh my even. God. So you, let me can't t- put them you know how I found, let me tell you the story. I, how I found my way to this record, right? I never heard it until 1991, and Billy Bragg by that time had burned through his 80s albums and had done, did that "Don't Try This at Home" record, and it had that sexuality on it mm-hmm, and with with Johnny Marr. That's a and, great and there's song. another song on there with um with the REM guys uh, Peter Buck and Michael Stipe. Then there's mm-hmm. another song at the end of it. It's called God's Footballer. That's about this guy that quits soccer to go be a Jehovah's Witness, right? So it's like this record has my attention. Like you mm-hmm. know, every every I'm like, I love those guys. I love those guys. I love that. What's this about? I remember this. So that set me off on Billy Bragg. So I go backwards. I start working my way backwards. Tim, our friend, had workers' playtime. Um, and so when I got hold of this one, I'm like, wow, there's all this righteous energy on this thing, you know? And I was at, what, 20 years old. And so it was like I'd, I'd, he, he became sort of this moral compass in a, in a time when I didn't even, I was questioning everything, you know? And I think that's how I got there. I think that's how I I, I became a Billy Bragg sort of uh, fan, you know? I think he seems very genuine. I know Chris is probably going to make a face at that, but I don't know. Like, I always, I, like, I really, like you said, like, I think a moral compass, that's kind of like a good way of looking at him. Like, he's almost like a British Bruce Springsteen. Yeah. Kind of, but a little bit more, a little bit more alternative in a way. I mean, I don't know really why I think that, because I mean, obviously he worked with like Johnny Marr and, but his sound isn't really that like alternative. It's more almost like 
kind of Woody Guthrie to, in some way, like the the social cause aspect of it. And so, Chris, if I'm a betting man, I'd say that overpowers the music to you. Probably. Yeah, yeah. There, the music's not good at all. There, there's the music is oh, is just there's nothing oh, to the music. Come on. And it's nowhere near as good as um, as the Bruce Springsteen not stuff. No, the music's just it, the music is just there as like uh, to prop up his preachy, like self righteous, whatever people, workers, man. Um, well, What's so bad about that Cockney accent? That, no, oh, wait, just to make sure. Well, just to make sure everybody knows What's he's working class. Accents? Make sure everyone knows he's he's a man of the people. You know, see, it's a put on. You're saying. The only thing I'll give him credit for is he kind of put Jeff Tweedy in his place when uh, the whole Wilco thing went down. So I kind of enjoyed that. That guitar is a freaking barbed wire. That is what uh, it it's is. It's just boring. It's it's a boring. It's oh my a, the reason God. these songs you are so short is because they're so boring. Raising the facts. Don't even. I would think so. For our listeners, do try Put this. Full. Listen to the song we just listened to, and then listen to the Kirsty McCall version with Johnny Marr on it, and tell they're me which sounds better. Doesn't really matter. But which sounds better? I actually like the Billy Bragg version better. The Kirsty McCall one is much better because it sounds like a song. This just sounds like. It's a de- it's a demo. It's like a little demo. It's that great. It's a great demo. All right, fix with two X's. <laughs> I think the fix record is 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 light years yeah. ahead of this record. Yeah. So I fell in I'll love with the, Billy Bragg with two G's, please. The righteous energy. <laughs> I didn't even think of that. That's very good. the simplicity of it. So yeah, I'm down with it. And a lot of the things he talks about on the record are still with us. Unemployment. Yeah. How you prescient. Know, He's so prescient. The myth unemployment. Wow. Celebrity culture. Who could have that? thought there'd still be unemployment? I mean, I'd say it's worse now, maybe. Like, so I'm gonna go ahead honest. and I'm gonna go ahead and put this out there. In 25 years, there's still gonna be unemployment. I'm just gonna throw that out there. Uh, I didn't. I don't think that it's ever gonna go away. <laughs> but it's just shit seems a little extra bad right now. I think we can all agree. Yeah, well, I, but the, I'll keep going back to the music. The music kicks ass. The favorite this, part I, of my my favorite part of this album is, this, is the reference to Spy versus Spy from Mad Magazine. I think so. I'd rather I'd rather read a Mad Magazine than listen to this. Thank God it was only 17 minutes long. Let's not wrestle with complex feelings. Because I'd rather listen to somebody tell me about the life in the age of dinosaurs. Because that's fucking great. (laughs) You don't have to cut. You don't have to cut on Iron Maiden. Everything doesn't have to be so hyper serious. As revenge, I'm not doing the intro to the next record. (laughs) Is there another one? Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's more. There's life after. After Billy Bragg, we should call this album "Life After oh, Billy Bragg." Close on that. I, know. I think that you've earned this, since apparently Billy Bragg is too heavy for you. All right, I'll take it, and I'm I'm giving that one a thumbs down in case anybody wants to know. We know what I'm going to say. Uh, uh, do, do I need to ask the two two thumbs up? Right? Okay. Yeah, great. two thumbs up. Oh, great. Right. That's the last Billy Bragg record we'll cover on this. Uh, uh, so the next the final record of the episode is by you know a little artist just a little known artist not, not anybody of so grandiose as Billy Bragg who's known in basically London Wiccan, Wickenshire Ter- Teddingham and apparently Charlotte and Detroit this is better. whatever Teddingham is I've never heard of it um, this, uh, this album is called Eyes That See in the Dark 
Um, it's an all music four and a half star record and a Rolling Stone four star record. And it had a mega fucking massive hit called Islands in the Stream on it. Uh, probably most of you have heard that, but that's what we're going to play. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> you guys asked for the hits out there and we're going to play the goddamn hits. <laughs> figure out that they uh people who own this record the record label has not put islands in the stream on the damn thing the parent company now of rca nashville who put this record out still owns island in the stream and capital nashville did not buy the rights to the biggest single on the album like i don't know if somebody fucked this up but I'd be interested in knowing why they did, because it, don't you think it's seriously cutting into your streaming revenue? So, but then I listened to the record, right? And so you guys are going to, you Billy Bragg people, I'm going to put my armor on. I thought this was a great record. Yes. And I, oh my God. I thought the songs the on here, it's a, it's a great Bee Gees record. Cool. It's a really good Bee Gees right, record. So, I, so here's what it is. It's the second. This is the third record. Is it the third that we've covered? That Barry Gibb, they've called, they've called him in on. He uh-huh. heard Heartbreaker mm-hmm. by Dionne Warwick. By the way, does anybody like Dionne Warwick? Because everything <laughs> I, I can find of her, she's like the most boringest R&B singer in the world. Why you got to cut on Dionne Warwick? I don't know, man. But anyway, he, find, he <laughs> listens to that. They do a whole record for her, or he does a whole record for her, him and his crew. And I'm sure in his mind, the narrative in my mind is, he goes, oh, these guys know how to polish up a thing. Let me let me call them in. Like, I don't know why he didn't figure that out in 1980. We've talked about this before. This is, this is that prime, let's, and I think record company has something to do with this, let's get a crossover, right? All the country people need to be crossover into pop, and who better to do that than... Uh, and, and and Henry, you you might be able to name them off the top of your head, but this this is the third BG's record 
that he's done that they've done for somebody else that we've covered. Right? We covered the Barbara Streisand record. Guilty. Streisand. I could be wrong, but I th- I think it's this. It was Streisand, Dionne Warwick, and then this one. Okay. So so what I what surprised me. So I knew that going in. So what I thought what I was going to hear was Islands in the Stream. Like I thought I was going to hear BG's written country songs that I'd be like, oh, that's that's sort of BG's esque, and I get it. This album, to me, the crazy thing about it is this is Kenny Rogers trying to sound like um, Maurice Gibb. It's like Kenny's not was, going, write me a song. Yes. Like, like Barbara Streisand was like, write me a song. Okay, that, I can sing. He's trying to phrase like, so yeah, the, and it's very interesting to me. I thought it was great. The biggest, biggest criticism I've read in retrospect from guys mm-hmm. you know who've talked about it said that Kenny Rogers relied too much on, on Barry and Maurice's uh, melody lines and wrote those a little too e- that he was taking the easy way and that he would get the lyrics and not know the lyrics and have to you know read read them but it's surprising to me how similar their voices sound when you put them together and that was shocking to me because i would never have thought that let's but let's talk about it on this level F- forget that it, it, it's a kenny rogers record forget that for a minute it's fucking good Bee Gees record. If the Bee Gees had put this out, because, you know, at this point, the interesting part about this is the Bee Gees are anathema at this point. And Megan, you, you like this may not have resonated with you being not having lived through that. Like they were like, as kids, it, you could have asked me on the street and been like, what's one band you can't listen to? And you'd be like, the Bee Gees, the Bee Gees are it was like somehow their name just became synonymous with suck. The disco, because disco is getting shit on so hard. And it's so clever that they found ways to put out records. But Chris, Chris, they wanted a hit. No, I and get Buried that. Treasure was a fucking country hit. Kenny Rogers was probably smart enough to say, oh, I need to give country radio something they want. And they don't want Bee Gees. They want... Gatlin Brothers. They want the deep resonant ones. If I'm going to sell this one to country radio, it's got to sound like this. But it's it's interesting that I and I don't know him his history well enough. But but uh-huh. right around this time, Kenny Rogers is trying all kinds of shit. Like he's starring in a movie, right? He starred in that movie about race cars called like mm-hmm. Six oh Pack or something. God. Oh, yeah. I forgot all about that. Yeah, so yeah he, I, like, he's wow. definitely trying to cross over out of just being a country star at this point. So I I kind of like. My only my main criticism of this record is go all the way, man. Just do a Bee Gees record and own it. Don't be like, fuck the Gatlin brothers and their members only. <laughs> Big thumbs up on this one. I, I you know, I, I, Megan, you've got to speak more about this because I think you hate yeah. this record. So yeah, give us the counter opinion. Yeah, oh, go. No, it was actually. I mean, again, like at the end of the day, am I ever going to listen to this again? Probably not. But it was a pleasant surprise. I will say, I was expecting cornball. 80s country just because that's all i really knew and like i know later on he did like after he had a bunch of plastic surgery i think he did like american idol or something like he was in in that world that's so, diff- so i just yeah. really seriously as an artist so i i had very low expectations which usually does help but i was pleasantly surprised when it was kind of like a disco record basically and just the way he looked like i feel like he was always profile like with his head tilted back and every picture like smiling i love it it. that we have different perspective like i have the six-pack era kenny rogers stuck in my mind you know all right so a record of the episode what is it guys i think i know what i'm gonna say so i'm gonna pick one different just because i know my favorite album is gonna be picked so 
Um, I'm not, I'm, I'm going to go first, but hope that somebody gets the other one. Um, I'm going with the Iron Maiden record uh, as my pick of the of the episode. That, wow, Piece that's controversial. Mine. That's going to be my pick I'm of the episode. I'm going with the New Order. <laughs> okay, I'm so. I'm, I'm going with New Order, and it's kind of insulting that you didn't. I should have picked. I should have picked Billy Bragg and let you have New Order, and then just beaten up this. You and I could have picked spiteful. Both, spiteful both sides, right? Oh man, that's a good metal record. That's the best metal record I've heard so far. I'm so excited about it. Well, I wanted to thank everybody who listens to us. If you like the records we're choosing, please consider subscribing to the pod and you'll have our newest content downloaded to your device. You can review us on Pandora. I mean, he does his voice up like, ah! <laughs> Apple Podcast. Oh, the pod. <laughs> into it, right? Ooh, that has a weird echo to it. Or uh, my side. Other platforms like Stitcher, Spotify are using. I'm going to do the rest in like Lenny and Squiggy. <laughs> you can chat us up, ask us questions, even on Twitter at 80s Exposed or email us at 80s Music Exposed at gmail.com. Hit us up on social media. There's a voicemail link in, uh, in the description for SpeakPipe. My Twitter handle is at Hank G on Twitter. Chris, what's yours? I mean, it came like bubbling out of the speakers, Henry. Like it was like crawling across my head. Like the bass and the guitar were just like crawling across my head, and the drums were like rumbling through my body. And I was just like, let's talk with my Cockney accent, whatever that is. This is the best what metal record we've. I was not on drugs. I was just driving home from work. I'm just taking the piss. At TCI Duke is where I can be found on Twitter. Megan, what's your Instagram handle? It is Bastards of Young 92. And if you eat us up on Twitter, you're going to find Megan, who will defend us viciously. want to thank everyone who listens to our show. Chris, Megan, guess what? What? I made you a mixtape. 